Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Hello. So for today's episode, I wanted to talk about the spring checks for bees. It's really, really worrying as a beekeeper that you get to March, April, and on a sunny day, you might see your bees flying and that's so exciting. And you're like, yay, they've got through the winter and isn't this wonderful? But then you might have some colonies that don't fly. You have a sunny day and you're not seeing your bees. And this can be really, really disconcerting. And it's natural for us to worry. We do not want to lose our bees. But there's several issues that come up here. The first one is, why do you not want to lose your bees? Is it a fear of death? Now, I often have these conversations about if you allow your bees to die, are you being cruel? You know, are you killing bees? And the first connection with this is about the feeding of sugar. Now, I don't feed my bees sugar. I have in the past. I've experimented with that. But the more I've learned about sugar and the more I've learned about bees, the more confident I am that this is not the way I want to be preserving my bees. I don't want to be keeping them alive by feeding them something that is not going to be doing good for their digestive system. So although it might keep them alive in the short term, it's not necessarily going to benefit their health in the long term and can really severely damage them or weaken them. So you'd just be um, shortening their life expectancy anyway. So it's very difficult because I know that it feels like everybody feeds their bees sugar. But before humans came around and before beekeepers started intervening, bees were never fed sugar. They survived and they survive by knowing that they have to collect enough nectar to store in their hives to feed the colony through the winter months. This is the really important thing. So before you consider feeding or putting it on just in case, think about your own family and your kids. If you fed your children white sugar from August to April, right through the winter months, how healthy do you think they would be? Now, also, I'm a mother, you know, I've brought up three boys. And I know that if they had a choice of really nutritious vegetables, Um, and good healthy meals if there was a tin of biscuits or if there was some cake or there was um, something that was really sweet and sugary they would go for that first because it's it's you know it's fast and it gives you that quick boost now we cannot assume that the bees would reject a sugary treat in favor favor of something that was more healthy we just don't know But I think it helps with my beekeeping practices and understanding how I take care of my bees to sometimes compare it with how I would treat other humans, how I would treat other living beings. So that's the first thing is not feeding sugar. So if you're not feeding sugar and you don't see your bees flying and it's spring, there's several things that could be going on. Your bees could have died. They could have died from cold. They could have died from damp. They could have just died because the queen wasn't healthy. Maybe it was a late swarm and the queen wasn't well fertilized. Maybe she's only been laying eggs that are unfertilized, therefore drones. And so the colony is just dying out. Perhaps she was even a virgin queen and went into winter 
you know, your your bees may have superseded an existing queen. So you might have thought in June or July that everything was going well. And you'd expect the colony to start to reduce in size as you go into the winter. And the bees would be fine with that, uh, an egg laying queen through the winter months. But when you get to January, February and the queen should be laying eggs, if she's not, the bees will be like, mm, we're stuck. And there's no way she's going to mate. There aren't drones around. The weather isn't fine enough for her to go out and mate. So you could actually lose a colony because of queen failure. And that's just a perfectly natural progression. So here are some things that you can do to check on the progress of your bees without opening up the hive. Something that's really, really important to, to know is that if you've got cold temperatures, if it's less than 10 or 15 degrees and you open the lid of your hive, you're really affecting the temperature inside that hive. So that's going to be very detrimental to your bees. So they could be in cluster, in a winter cluster, and then boom, there's a big cold draft and they're going to have to use up more fuel, more of their honey to try and reestablish the temperature while you're lifting up the lid and prodding them about to see what's going on. So don't lift the lids. Do not open your hives until it is well over 15 degrees. So that's the, the number one rule that I would just go by. The second thing you can do is if the hive is really quiet and if it's cold and you wouldn't really be expecting them to fly, but you're just curious, what you can do if you have a stethoscope, so you can hold the stethoscope up to your hive, listen in. If you tap the hive a couple of times, you might hear a bit of a stir. They might go, mm, you know, the, the buzz might start as they're like, who's knocking on our hive? Again, it's not always guaranteed if the wood is very thick, if the bees are in the other side of the hive to where you've put your stethoscope, then you're not necessarily going to hear them. Something that I found particularly useful in the last um, couple of weeks is going up to the entrance and you're quite safe because they're not flying, they're in cluster and just having a sniff. And when you smell the scent of a hive, it should be rich with propolis, beeswax, honey. It's an amazing, I find, addictive aroma. And it's very similar to the aroma you'd get on a hot summer day when you do open up the hive and you pull out the frames and you get this waft of incredible, healthy scent of bees. So if you can smell that from outside the hive, you know your bees are alive. You know that they're OK. There's enough warmth to generate that aroma. Now, you still might smell. You might not think they're dead, but you can't smell that. So come back, get used to it. Not everybody has a strong sense of smell. And if you're not familiar with the smell, you may not detect it. So keep going back, having a sniff, maybe knock on the on the hive, just see if any bees come to the door. Talk to the bees. I do have some colonies that will literally come out when I'm there talking to them. So they'll be inside and I'll be chatting away and I'll be going, hello, girls, I hope you're all right. And then I'll get a little bee will come to the entrance. She'll just do a little nod, say, yep, we're in, we're fine. And back in she goes. So don't be afraid to talk to your bees. And then the most important thing is listen. When you talk, listen to what they tell you. They may not tell you with a buzz. They may not tell you with a nod or coming out or sitting on your fingers, but they may tell you with an intuitive sign. There might be something that you feel, you might feel, yeah, I think they're okay. Now, intuition is really, really key as well when you're working with bees, because sometimes you've looked, 
you've smelt, you can't smell anything, you've looked at the entrance. And I actually had a message from um, one of my students earlier on today, and that's what prompted this, this episode, is that she's a bit concerned that the entrance to the hive is blocked. Now, that's a really legitimate concern. And if you haven't seen bees flying, when perhaps you think they would be, when it's been warm enough, when it's been sunny, when the sun has been on the hive, so you'd think that they'd be getting the warmth. If you haven't had that sign that the bees are flying, then get down and have a look through the entrance. See if you can see, see if you can smell anything. Get um, a not too sharp a, a stick, but get um, a plant stem or something that you can poke into the entrance and just slide along gently just to clear any space. Because during the winter months, the bees die. Bees die all year round. Bees only live six weeks each in the summer. And then through the winter months, you'll have bees that will live six months. But particularly in early spring, you're going to get a die off. You're going to get bees dying. And we have to remember that the colony will have gone from 50, 60, 70,000 bees in the height of the summer. And then in the winter, it could be a smaller colony as five or 10,000 bees. So we don't tend to see 50,000 dead bees outside a hive. More often than not, we worry when we see a few bees outside a hive that look dead. So where do those dead bees go? Well, they all drop to the bottom of the hive. But because we don't open and inspect hives during the winter months, we don't see that. So it's only if you have an observation hive that you'll see there's a floor covered in dead bees. And when the colony grows, when the summer kicks off and when there's enough warmth and there's enough energy in the form of carbohydrate or nectar or honey, then the bees can set to work and they can empty out all the debris. So that's when you're going to see all the dead bees. But by then they can fly a bit further. They won't be dropping them on the landing board. So it is important to make sure that your bees can get out. So you could widen the entrances a bit if you've, you've got them closed up. Open them up. Just poke around and just see if the bees can get in or out. The other thing to note, which I do have people messaging me because they get really worried about this. And that is that you could have... Um, a few dead bodies of bees outside a hive or even what look like larvae. Now, this, again, is a good sign because it means that when you weren't looking, there might well have been a temperature that was just warm enough, just warm enough for a few of the bees to carry out a bit of debris and maybe have a little bit of hygienic behaviour. And so they would be pulling out the bodies. And because it's cold, they don't want to fly for ages. They don't want to take things further than they need to. So they'll just drop them outside the hive on the landing board. This is a really good sign. So a handful of bees outside a hive, brilliant. You know, you know that they're alive. You know that they're cleaning out the hive. And that's all good. So the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is more about death and I think as human beings, and particularly in the West, we don't talk about death enough. We all die. We don't know when we're going to die. We might have an idea. We might get some warnings. But generally, we know it's inevitable we're going to die at some point. People have all sorts of different views about death. And depending on your views depends on perhaps how you approach death. I really like the Buddhist philosophy that we're constantly being recycled, we're, we're, we're living, we're experiencing something, we die, we come back in another form. And the science sort of backs this up because 
we don't go off the planet. We're all on the planet. Everything is made up of energy and energy is just recycled. So right now I'm in this physical form. But when this physical body gives up, my spirit will go off into some other form. So we are recycling. And I like to think that the bees know this. Now, every decision a bee makes is for the good of the species. It's not for the good of the individual. It's not even for the good of that colony. It's good for the overall species. Bees are constantly learning and sharing the wisdom that they learn. They share them within their colony. And then through the drones, they're shared, shared through a wider network of all the other bees. So they know that when they die, whatever they've learned lives on. And it lives on to improve the species. And that's what they really want is for bees to continue existing. So they're constantly trying to change and trying to evolve. Now, if bees learn that if they don't collect enough nectar, they're not going to get through the winter. Or if they don't fill their stomachs up with honey before they swarm, they're going to die out because they haven't got enough honey to make wax. They learn. They remember this. Now, admittedly, as humans, we're making it more difficult for them because Bees are not having enough floral nectar to feed them. So what can we do to help that? I mean, first of all, we should plant more, plant more flowers, leave things to flower. So if you've got um, brambles in your hedges, if you've got um, old man's beard, you know, wild clematis, if you've got things like that, don't cut them back or down until after they've flowered. Let them flower because this is forage. Have wild areas, let your lawn blossom, cut it so it's a little bit higher so that the daisies and the dandelions can flower without the grass getting too long. So think about the food that the bees have got. That's the first thing. So then you can help extend their lives. But also when the bees die, where do they go? They go into the soil and the nutrients of the bees. They're rich with minerals, vitamins, all kinds of goodness that's in each bee body that goes into the soil and it revitalizes the soil. And by revitalizing the soil, those nutrients are going to come up in flowers that bloom next season. So the bees know they're part of that cycle. So when a colony of bees die, they don't really die. They just transform. They just go into another form. But also when they die, we learn things because if we watch bees die and we see what's killing them, we can then adapt how we live and how we take care of our bees to make sure that they're not going to die from that again. Now, it is really, really, really tough. And it's very tough to hold that line even when you believe in it, because there'll be people all around you who think that you're wrong, who think that you're not taking care of your bees because you're allowing the weak ones to die. Now, something that is related to this is wasps. And I know that a lot of beekeepers don't like wasps because they see the wasps clearing out hives, killing, supposedly killing bees at the end of the summer months. Now, what I've learned and it's really had an impact on my whole beekeeping practice is that the wasps cannot get a grasp. They cannot take over a healthy colony of bees. So what can we do to make the bees healthy? Well, if you change your honey extraction process, we're taught to take the honey in July or August. Well, that's just when the wasps get busy. But also understanding the wasp life cycle at that time of year, you've got adult wasps that can't feed. 
you know, there's no more larvae in the nest and they have to feed off food that's been digested by the larvae. So they've been kicked out of their nest with no food. So they're hungry. So they're going to go for fast food, which would be honey. So that's why they're going to go for the bees. Now, if you haven't opened your hive in July or August, if you took your honey earlier, so before midsummer, the bees are able to seal up the hive with propolis and defend themselves. Also, they've had July and August to top up their supplies, so they've got plenty of honey, so they can relax. They've actually got the time to practice hygienic behaviour. They can groom themselves, so it doesn't allow the varroa mite to get a hold before winter, and the wasps don't get in. So then you're not losing colonies to wasps. You have to understand what wasps are doing. Wasps are the rubbish collectors of nature. They're going to clean up disease and death. So if you have wasps, going for your bees is because your bees are not healthy and then you need to think why are your bees not healthy why is your colony the weakest colony in that area and look at what your beekeeping practices are so if your bees die to wasps what they've done is they've fed the wasps and the wasps will have cleaned out the hive ready for a swarm next year so it's really stepping back looking at nature how does nature evolve how does nature survive and what's your personal relationship with death? Are you so scared of dying because you fear what happens when you die that you won't let anything around you die either? If we could believe that there is a heaven, that death is an energetically peaceful, harmonious, loving location, would we be so grasping and clinging on to life in all its forms for for you know at our own worst harm you know to cause ourselves harm so what I'd like you to do after listening to this whether you keep bees or not if you keep bees have a look at your bees have a think are they dead are they alive how does that make you feel do you feel responsible you are responsible if you've put them in a hive you are responsible for bees but what's the the foundations behind your practices with beekeeping and then if you don't keep bees and you just found yourself listening to this just have a think about what your relationship is with death and then if you have pets if you have houseplants that you kill you know just have a think have a think about what is your relationship with death all around you and how could you change it should you change it and what's your thoughts about your own death? Are you ready for it? Are you preparing for it? Do you want a nice, peaceful death? Are you going to go out screaming and fighting? Have a think about your relationship with death, because I think that's one of the biggest things that the bees are trying to teach us. So I hope you've enjoyed today. If you think there's somebody who would benefit from listening, then just share it, share it. Um, I'd love to know your comments, write a review. And um, I look forward to sharing more news with you next time. This podcast has been produced and edited by the wonderful B Brook. And the music was created especially for me by Raya. Thank you very much. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.